Blog Talk Radio. Hello, it's Mike and Robin here. We're back with Drive Through HR after our uh, holiday hiatus. Took a couple weeks off and 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 refreshed and recharged our batteries. So I guess Happy New Year and Happy Holidays to everybody who might be listening in on this show. And Robin, how are you doing? I am doing uh, very well. I am I am somewhat refreshed and recharged. So. It uh, it served its purpose to take that little break, I think. It really did. I actually had about 10 days. I mean, I checked the email and stuff, but it was a pretty low key. I had about 10 days in a row where where I didn't really do work any, you know, for more than a couple <laughs> minutes of the day. And it's been a while since I've had that break. So, yeah, it was yeah. Much, much appreciated. Um, our guest today, is, well, our, first of all, our topic today is entitled How Technology Can Help You Manage Labor Employee Relations Issues, and that can also encompass labor relations issues. Um, and we have, a, we have someone who I've known for a bit. Her name is Deb Mahler. Deb, welcome to Drive Through HR. How are you today? Thanks. I am great. Thanks for having me, both of you, and Happy New Year. Happy Thank New you. Year. Did you get a relaxing holiday as well? No, I was actually a little jealous hearing you say that. <laughs> actually, my team will tell me tell you that I did. There was a few days where I did not show up in the office, so it was it was for me it was pretty good. Yeah. The 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 life of an entrepreneur, right? Why don't That's why don't right. you uh, right. why don't you uh, give us kind of your background, Deb, and how and, and then we'll talk about your company, which is called HR Acuity, and your product. So. You can yeah, tell our who you are. <laughs> yeah, you said, hey, tell us who's Deb Mullen. I thought, oh, my God, that, that might be the hardest question you ask me um, <laughs> because I'm not sure that they're very different, HR Acuity and Deb Muller, but I am uh, CEO of HR Acuity, which we'll talk about more today. But at the core, I am an HR professional. That was my career, started out that way, and never, ever thought that I would be leading a technology company. Hmm. I often tell the story that um, I got my undergrad at Cornell, their ILR school, and the reason that I went there, which I, I think I can say now, but I didn't say it for a long time, was because the curriculum didn't have a lot of math and science in it. Mm-hmm. I didn't like math or science. I was like, okay, this looks good. <laughs> you know, um, I'll figure it out. And, and sort of ironic that here I am, you know, leading a technology organization. And even <laughs> if you look at HR now, I believe that so much of HR has to do with technology yeah. and math and data and, and things have really changed. Um, but yeah, that's who I am. I'm a HR person turned entrepreneur turned um, CEO technology leader. And, um, you know, in, the, in, in my spare time, I'm also a wife and a mother. I have three almost grown boys. And mm. um, yeah, that keeps me busy on the other side. So. <laughs> so when you when you when you get done running your company by day, you go home and make sure your kids aren't getting in trouble at night, even though they're mostly grown. It sounds like. Yeah, they're mostly um, grown. I still have one at home, so you're not gonna yeah, know where he is even, every once in a while. Even so, it's my according to my parents, parenthood lasts forever. So I guess that's exactly <laughs> it does. It just changes. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so Deb, I know you, you mentioned in your bio you worked at Honeywell and Citibank and Marsh and McLennan and a number of other companies, but that you had, I, I guess, at some some point along the way, you had kind of an epiphany about the way people managed employee relations, and you you decided to try to find a better better way to do it. If I, and I may be putting some words in your bio that you didn't say, but no. tell us how you sort of got the idea for HR acuity and what that, what, what it does and what that process felt like or looked like. 
Sure. So in my career, you know, I was a generalist in different roles, different organizations, and for some reason I just did a lot of investigations. I was always very curious, kind of always opening doors and finding, you know, all the bad stuff. And when you do investigations, you get better at them. It's really very much an art versus a science, so you have to do a lot of them. And when you get better at them, people give you more of them and the more complex ones, and you kind of become the go-to person. So that was happening throughout my career. And, um, at one point, I decided that I wanted to go on and do something on my own, but I didn't really know what it was. And people would say to me, well, why don't you just become an HR consultant? And I thought, well, because I've spent my career hiring HR consultants to do all the things I don't want to do. <laughs> so why would I want to go and do that? Um, but I remember someone, one of my leaders saying to me, we were in the middle of an investigation, I was kind of reporting what I was finding, and she looked at me and she said, you really like doing these, don't you? And I said, yeah, I actually do. I, I don't, you know, anybody that knows me, I'm actually very much a rule follower. So I kind of feel like I live vicariously through all the stupid things people do. Um, and I know you guys have been in HR, so you know there's no, you know, stupid things and people think, you know, never, never, nothing ever surprises you. Right, so, until the next thing comes along and kind of does surprise you sometimes. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's crazy. So I, I knew that I was good at them. I knew I liked doing them. So actually, HR Acuity was formed in 2006 as a provider of third-party workplace investigations. So again, technology was not kind of on my mm. mind, um, but I recognized that there was a need that when you had an investigation at your company and either it was highly confidential or it was involving the C-suite or you were pretty sure it was headed towards litigation, you wanted a neutral party, third party, to investigate it. And what I was finding is the only option that most companies had was to go to a law firm. Right. And there's a lot of reasons why that's not great. I mean, first of all, um, lawyers, many of them have never lived anywhere except in a law firm. And it's very different than being in an organization, kind of a, whether it's manufacturing or technology or whatever it is, and kind of knowing what doors to pull. Um, so I think coming from an HR perspective, you have a much better chance of kind of understanding what's been going on in the environment. Um, and secondly, you don't really want to put a lawyer across the table from your employee that you're investigating, because that can, even if they're not even if they're not functioning in the legal capacity, it sends a message of, gee, should I get a lawyer? So I felt there was a real opportunity there, and that's what HRQD launched as. We were a service provider, and I, ha- I have still have my business plan of how we were going to grow that way. Um, wow. We started doing that, and um, people, and we had kind of a process of how we would go out and investigate. So it would be consistent. It would be done well. We called it dimensional investigation. And as we went out there into the market, people started asking us for that process. And so we were only doing a little sliver of the investigations because, as you know, the HR professionals do the bulk of the investigations internally. And so initially I was like, no, no, it's proprietary. That's our process. And then I really started to listen to what I was hearing from the clients and saying, gee, really, they need our process. And I knew that from my experience. I knew that I learned in a very haphazard way. Um, I think uh, my first investigation, I don't even want to say what decade it was, so I'll skip over that. But, <laughs> but when someone told me to go investigate, I literally went to the bookstore and bought a book, which is something we don't do now, go uh-huh. to the bookstore, you know, about how to conduct an investigation. And and that was, you know, and I got a little bit of training here and a little bit of training there, and I was lucky enough to be paired with some really good investigators to really hone my skills, but there was no consistency, and I knew that. There was no consistency in how investigations were done. Um, so when I started hearing that, I thought, well, I can license my process to them, but, you know, 2007 now, 2008, this was the time when everything was being digitized, everything was going on websites, and I thought, well, I can I can create a web app. 
Um, I'm sure I did not use that word. <laughs> I don't know what I called it at the time. Um, but again, I had no technology background. So the only tech that I knew, um, having had very bad, you know, not a lot of administrative help in my career, was I was really, really good at PowerPoint. So I drew, <laughs> I drew my website. I, mean, I drew my uh-huh. application. I drew a login screen. And I drew the dashboard that I knew it would come to. Oh, and the other thing that I had going for me was that I had been the user of really terrible HR software. <laughs> so, so, and I, you probably can, can kind of understand that. So I knew what I didn't want it to do, and I kind of made this, you know, criteria, kind of my guiding principles was that it was going to do what we were going to say it was going to do. It was going to work. It was going to be, you know, developed from an HR's perspective, not an engineer's perspective. Um, and so I started my PowerPoint, and about 50 screens later, I thought, this is pretty good. And um, then I just started showing it to people, HR leaders, legal folks that I had in my network, and they, they told me if they thought I had something. Hmm. So you never so, know, right? No, right. I love that. So then, love that. So then you, had to, you had to take the, the, the PowerPoint, you know, and turn it into, a, into something that actually worked, right? Yeah, that was that was a little bit of a challenge. <laughs> because so, if PowerPoint so is really easy to do that, yeah. Yeah. So who, how did you approach that? Um, so I started talking – so a couple things. First of all, um, I went to my husband and I said, look, honey, I said, I'm going to kind of pivot the business a little bit. Um, I'm going to create this product, and I have a little bit of money left that came from some deferred – I don't know, something that was you know kind of sitting there. Not a lot. And I said, so I'm going to use that money, and I think in about six months we're going to have this, this technology. It's going to be awesome. And I learned a lot. I learned, first of all, that it costs a lot more than you expect, a lot more. Um, it takes a lot longer than you expect. And I also learned that I had a very supportive spouse, mm-hmm. all three very good things. Um, mm-hmm. But, again, I just started asking people. So I started, you know, do you know any developers? Do you know what you're supposed to do next? And I found a couple different developers that I began talking with, um, I wrote up my initial business requirement document, uh, which at some point I could show it to you. It's pretty hysterical because I had no clue what I was doing. Um, mm. And I ended up uh, picking a development firm that was based out of Romania. Um, and I'll just fast forward to tell you that I quickly realized that that was not, not because they were in Romania, but just because for me they did not have the expertise to help get me to an enterprise uh, level application, um, and I was fortunate enough to partner with another firm early 2009 that I'm still partners with today who has helped me develop this, this you know, platform that uh, is used by Fortune 100 companies as well as small companies and kind of hits all their, it hits all their needs. So it was a learning experience for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've never I've never been through that that through any part of that, so it's always fascinating <laughs> to hear stories. Um, well, it's, yeah, it's the, funny, Mike. Uh, people often yeah people often ask me, um, you know, what do I tell entrepreneurs or people starting out? And I always tell them, don't think too much about it, because if I knew what I knew now, I probably would have run the other way. <laughs> so so um, what, Robin. Go ahead, Robin. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, I was going to say, you know, and I, I, I love hearing that the founding story. Um, you know, and one of the things that that you know enthralls me, and I, I, I love looking at different tech solutions. One of the things that really, you know, kind of gets me kind of you know geeky about HR tech, um, looking at HR Acuity, is it is such a 
um, it's such a necessary product. I mean, and you can't say that a lot about a whole heck of a lot of HR technology out there because everybody's trying to chase the immediate, you know, kind of shiny, shiny object out there. You know, what's the buzzword of the year? Let's let's create let's create a a, a, a product that's not necessarily needed. Um, yeah. Being an being a, a practitioner for many many years. Um, you know, when I look at HR Acuity and I just see that case management of employee relations, case management of investigations, it's so it's so fundamental, it's so foundational, it's so core. Um, and you know, I'm curious to know how how you how you get the message out to HR practitioners. Um, you've got a lot of really great content on your website because you have a really powerful like blog and and mm. information that's out there for people. But when you go out and you're talking to HR audiences or buyers of technology or CHROs, what's the story that your team weaves about how this can help them day to day? Yeah. Yeah, well, it's interesting because it's changed, right? It's really evolved. Um, you know, at the beginning, we were really having to do a lot of education and getting early adopters because they'd never heard of something like this, and we're still dealing yeah. with that now. Um, but I have to say, we got a little bit of help last year uh, by a man by the name of Harvey Weinstein. Um, yeah. Because, right, <laughs> I hate to say he helped me with anything, um, but, you know, the Me Too movement has really elevated this and helped elevate mm-hmm. what well, we've sort of seen this trend of employer relations overall. I mean, I used to, you know, you used to think of employer relations when I was practicing, it was kind of something you did. It wasn't it wasn't org development or comp and benefit. Right. It wasn't sexy. It didn't have it, and, and in many organizations it doesn't have that yet. Um, but this has really elevated it and it's so fundamental and you, you really wonder and I think what you're saying is why it's taken so long. Yeah. Um, and when we think about HR and we think about, oh, we wanna we wanna use more data and we wanna be better, well here's your data, right? Yeah. Here's your data right here that nobody's collecting. You know, when are our employees are deviating from the norm, what we expect of them, from our policies, mm-hmm. from our practices. Are we documenting it? Are we looking for trends? Are we looking mm-hmm. for insights or habitual people so that we can get ahead of things? So that's like kind of first and foremost. Um, I, I liken it to you know marketing decades ago, which was very kind of soft and fluffy, and now it is so data-driven. Yes. HR can be the same way. We have to look for those predictive indicators, just like marketing does, right? What are we seeing out out there that might show us that we have a bad actor in our midst or mm-hmm. we have a policy that's not working or something that we can be really getting ahead of so that we can stay out of the headlines, right? So that mm-hmm. we can so that we can manage our risk, but even more so so that we can create that safe environment for our workers so they're going to be mm-hmm. more productive. Um, there's mm-hmm. just so many reasons. Um, and so, so when we talk to different people, it really depends on the angle that we're going for. Yeah, it can make help you be more efficient and things like that, and that, that's great, but that's not really what the core of it is. In many respects, um, we find clients that, that will use us, the investigation tool, it will actually take their investi- make their investigations take a little bit longer because guess mm. what? They were doing a lousy job before. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is putting them at risk. I think it also, you know, it. Uh, I, I've I've long believed and long tried to practice and or then implement in organizations the concept that, um, and, you know, employee relations um, becomes a a culture driver. It can be a positive culture driver, not just a negative culture driver. And I think when you go in, 
um, you know, and it's it's a well-thought-out process, and it's a plan of how you're going to get there, how you're going to position things. But I think out to the managers, out to the employees, when they see that there's a thoughtful, um, well-defined, um, you know, data-driven you know, reason behind some of the things that are being done, it also brings a comfort level back to the employees, back to the managers, that it's, you know, the company takes this stuff seriously, but they're doing it in a very thoughtful way. It's not to come and be punitive, you know, with sort of that outlook. It's much more positive. Absolutely. Um, and and I think, you know, again, with anything, letting people know what's happening, how it's happening, um, and then having the, the the stuff that backs it up, um, I, I think that's the greatest piece of having something like this. So critical. I mean, I think it hits on so many areas. When you have process, people are much more accepting of the outcome. Um, yeah. I've done investigations where, you know, something really bad has happened to the employee, but because they felt like they were treated fairly, because they saw the process that was in place, they were much more accepting of the outcome. Yeah. And, and I've also, on the other side, things, seen things happen where there is no process, it's a little issue, but there's no process, the employee doesn't know what's happening, and it gets blown Mm -hmm. out of proportion. So Mm -hmm. it's how you deal with it. And I think that also is extremely relevant today when we hear in the news that 75% of these issues go unreported. You know, why do they go unreported? Um, I think, and Mike, Robin, you, you might disagree, but I don't think it's because the individuals don't know where to report it. It's no, not that. I agree with you. Right? I, they I know where, you know, so we can put in so many different reporting, you know, ways to report, which I think is important, but it's because they don't know what to expect. And they Great. don't know, is this going to make it worse or better? You know, am I going to have to relive this? Who's going to find out about it? Is actually anything going to be done about it? And that's something organizations really have to look at differently if they try to ta- if they really care about tackling this and making a difference. That's kind of that eternal discussion of what, you know, who does HR really work for? What's the role in, you know, the company that writes the checks, the people that count on them to kind of, you know, support them. That's, you know, that conflict of that having to find the line where you you try to do right by both is so difficult. Um, We have like already 11, only 11 and a half minutes left. So I missed the the midpoint reset. This is Mike (laughs) and Robin and I are on today. And our guest is is Deb Muller, and Deb Muller is the CEO of a company called HR Acuity, A-C-U-I-T-Y, and the website is hracuity.com. We're talking about her product, which is an employee relations case management software solution. Um, Deb, what are the, like, beyond the investigation component, I guess one of the things I'm curious about is, like, what are the other pieces of HR Acuity that are important, and does a, does a user get, like, a summary dashboard, and that, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, analytics are obviously a big part of it. So being able to kind of quickly see a window pane of what's going on in your organization, we have that. Um, We even have, we've just introduced benchmarks. So you can see how your organization is doing vis-a-vis other HRQD clients on on an, an aggregate basis. So we've had so many cases per thousand employees having to do with retaliation. Other employer, other companies our size have had this many. You know, kind of where do we stand? Because we, because yeah. we know we're not going to stop all the bad behavior, and that, that should not be the goal. We just want to make sure we know how we're managing it and how we're controlling it and how we're trying to be proactive on top of it. So lots of analytics. Um, the other thing is it's not just investigations. So we think of employee relations in this paradigm of a traffic light. So green light, 
it is, all the things that you put in place as an employer as to how you expect your employees to behave. So your policies, your guidelines, your job descriptions. And we know that your employees don't always do everything exactly the way they're supposed to, or, they'll, or, or we wouldn't be sitting on this podcast. Um, <laughs> So we have yellow light events. So they're not investigations, but they're the things that you have to document. So we might refer to those as occurrences or issues or whatever. You know, the things that you say to your managers, make sure you document that, make sure you document yeah. that. And as we were chatting before the, the broadcast started, we all have our different ways of doing that. Um, so it's documenting those things, those really more frequent um, issues that are just fast and frequent um, that you need to deal with. So maybe it's a behavioral issue or a performance issue or just somebody goes out on leave. You want to document how you dealt with it, how you, uh, the action that was taken, and have that somewhere so you can make sure that you're consistent, that there's no um, underlying bias that's going on in your organization. You know, if you think about a claim to the EEOC, if I make a claim and say that I was terminated because of my my gender, there's been no investigation, right? The investigation right. hasn't happened. The EEOC is going to want to see why was I terminated. Well, you know, hopefully the client can pull up or the organization can pull up all the documentation that showed that I couldn't get to work on time and I was never around. Um, so that's going to help them defend it. But I might say, well, that's true, but all the men got away with it. So hopefully the organization mm -hmm. can then pull up and say, wait a second, not true. Here's mm -hmm. how all these other people in all different categories, we treated them all the same. We consistently treated them uh, alike, right. um, and the case goes away. So it's, it's the yellow light, it's the red light, it's that comprehensive investigation process to make sure it's done with integrity and it's done compliantly um, as well. And we actually just introduced what we call our manager access portal, which gives managers either on their phone or on their tablet or whatever, a way to do things like written warnings or performance mm. improvement plans and have kind of a back and forth with their HR provider. Um, so it goes into HR Acuity. You capture those things that are really uh, more handled on the line than with HR and really giving yeah. your managers the tools um, so they can do those things properly. And, you know, I, I, I think and it, it's kind of funny, and, um, and I, probably all three of us on the call could have had similar experiences. Um, you know, I think of all the times where I've been in HR departments and even in the days of really just paper, but even in the days since we've had HRIS systems and electronic files or ginormous tracking spreadsheets or whatever, when it comes down to, um, you know, that example you gave, oh, I was fired because of my gender, oh, but the men weren't, the company quite often in order to gather that information and 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 make that defense of no and here's why um we often rely on uh what you know what this HR business partner remembers about the case yep. that she dealt with and what that HR business partner remembers and you know we try to pull reports who was termed oh yeah let's try to remember why okay. and yeah, the yeah. amount of you know what somebody's got stored in their brain or if they're still uh, there you know, yes if they're still there <laughs> Yeah, it's tough. Um, it's crazy. And, and and imagine we have users, so if they're actually doing that proactively, right? So had an organization, yeah. large sales structure, um, where they found that they were dealing uh, differently across their, you know, as a global organization with like fraudulent signatures or something like that. And yeah. some people were getting written warnings and other people were getting fired. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know. You look at that and say, gee, are we, you know, is there a protected category that we're treating differently? Or even, mm -hmm. you know, forget about that. Some people are even looking at um, generational data um, mm -hmm. to see mm -hmm. things. Um, and not only, you know, 
how people are dealing with policies and things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, Deb, I was curious, like when you made the pivot, you, I'm, I'm going back to your story about how you found yeah. it, HR QED, and we have six minutes left. So this is a, just a quick question. Was there, like when you made that pivot and you spent that money and built the product, was there a moment where you hit like your big, you know, like was there one big moment when you knew you hit, hit it, made the right call? Or was it just a gradual build on your business? Um, it was somewhat gradual at the beginning. I mean, I was still doing investigations up until a few years ago to pay the bills. <laughs> you know, because uh-huh. it, was, it was kind of the way to fund the business, and we'd be really fortunate to primarily fund it, you know, bootstrap the business. Um, um, but I think a couple years ago, we, you know, as our team grew, we really knew that this was something different and special, and that, and this was before the Me Too, you know, and how do we really get HR leaders to understand, you know, risk leaders, CEOs to lead, to understand that this is not an option, right? This is not an option. You need to be doing this. Um, if you think about everything else in your business and how you manage everything else with data, how can we not be doing this consistently? I'll give one statistic that I love to share. We do a benchmark study every year. Um, and, and last year, we asked the question about organizations having required processes for conducting investigations. Um, you know, do they have required processes, or do they have suggested templates, or do they do nothing? And all of our organizations that take the, the study have to have at least 1,000 employees, so they're fairly large, and they go up mm-hmm. to many thousand. And only 33% had required practices for conducting investigations into employee mm-hmm. issues. And so what I often like, Get, try to get people to think about is think about other parts of your organization. Imagine if you were an airline and there was an issue with your airplane and only 33% of those airlines had you know, processes for fixing the airline, like required mm-hmm. things they had to do. Or if you fix a piece of machinery in your organization, of course there's, they have to checklist and they have to go through everything. But for our human resources, which are our most expensive resources and I would argue are our most important differentiators in whether a business is successful or not, we just kind of just do it by you know, whatever, you know, let's, we'll figure it out as we go along. Yeah. And I think that really has to change. The, the other thing I wanted to ask you about, and I think you still do this, you, I think you, you do a thing that I, I remember reading about it, um, never attended one, but you do a, a sort of a round table for clients and other people dealing with employee relations once a year. Do I have that right? And yeah, I'm really glad you mentioned that. So yeah, a couple of years ago, we brought together, we wanted to get the conversation of employee relations going for leaders of employee relations group because it just was kind of a new, a new uh, piece of, of HR, which was really getting attention. So it was one of these things I said, well, we'll build it, see if people come. I formulated a day event where we invited people and I said, I want, I want a round or a square table. You can't really get that big a round table. Mm. And we, we, uh, we had 50 leaders come from uh, organizations, large organizations, you know, 5,000 more and above. Um, and really, it's all a discussion. It's open discussion about to- topics, um, what's going on with regard to organizations or metrics or how people are handling things. And it was, it was a huge success. And I say that, I mean, yes, we facilitated it, but it was a success because of the willingness of these group of leaders. And that has really grown um, 
incredibly. So this year we actually have two. Um, and if people are listening, they're interested, you have to have at least uh, 5,000 employees. You have to be a leader of employee relations. We have one in April. It's a day-and-a-half event um, in the, on the East Coast. And then we have one on the West Coast, also day-and-a-half event in May, uh, which is actually hosted at LinkedIn. LinkedIn's one of our clients. Um, last year we had a lot of the tech organizations there, but it's really a mixture of industries. And it's just such a great dialogue and networking. Um, and really what's grown out of that is a community. We do quarterly calls where people talk about different topics of interest. Um, there's always this kind of ongoing dialogue with people saying, hey, what's your policy on this? Or how are you doing things differently now with regard to you know, communicating uh, harassment statistics or how you're communicating the results of an investigation? And just getting to hear what people are doing, it's really quite powerful. And, and from my perspective, I'll be a little bit selfish um, as I listen to these practitioners speak. Um, I'm always thinking, how can we help you with technology? And many of the things that we've done to enhance our product over the years have come directly from listening to those comments, hearing the challenges, and saying, I have an idea <laughs> or I can, yeah. how we can yep. change that. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So as as you heard, uh, the le listeners can't hear it, but the, we're warned. We have 90 seconds, so we have to wind, <laughs> have to wind the show down. So, um, so Deb, uh, any like any 10 seconds of final thoughts, and then also please share where people can find information about you and your company. Yeah. No, my only final thoughts. I think it's the organizations from the entire C-suite really need to think about how you're going to stay out of headlines, how you're going to manage this with a proven investigation process, and also be fiscally prudent uh, with your dollars. That's certainly going to help as you go through um, looking at what's going on with your population to make a safe environment. Um, if anybody wants more information on HRQD, please visit our website at hrqd.com, and there's information on our benchmarking. We have a Me Too report that came out in October, a report on centralization that came out in December, and we have one on tech and metrics coming out later this month. There's also information on our roundtable, and you can certainly follow me on Twitter, my tw at either hrqd or at Deb Muller HR. And I'd love to continue the conversation. Awesome. We have 20 seconds. Thanks, Deb, for being on the show. Really appreciate it. It was interesting. The link will drop Very in a few minutes. I'll send it your way. Rob, say bye. <laughs> yep. Have a good day, everybody. Thank Thanks you, guys. For See you Thanks, later. Guys. Bye. Bye-bye.